Olivia was holding her elbow and, and limping on the wrong foot. She was making a whole show of I it. I was not. Ignore him. You're listening to Take Off to Travel, a weekly dive into the travels of your hosts, Colin and Olivia. We're going on a world trip for 13 months with just $25,000 each. Each week, you'll hear our tales, tips, and tricks as we explore the world. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Take Off to Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Olivia. And today, we are going to be talking about the rest of our time in Vietnam. We went to the beach, we went to a a nice resort, we went to a, a, a cool show... We celebrated Tet. We celebrated Tet and so much more. We're so excited to share with you guys. Yeah, it's actually our very last full day here in Vietnam. Tomorrow morning, very early, we will be leaving for Singapore. I do think we have to give a little disclaimer because I think in our last episode, we said that we were going to take our chances with the immigration people at the airport. And we have since chickened out of that because we've heard there's quite a bit of extortion that happens if you do that option. So we actually ended up booking a flight to Singapore that left a day earlier so that we would meet our visa requirements. How did you feel about making that change? I think for peace of mind, it's even though we're probably going to have to pay more than what we would have with the fine, I think it's a better choice. So in the days leading up to Tet, I would say the city was pretty much at normal capacity. It was plenty noisy, plenty busy. People were zipping around with their motorbikes full of stuff there were lots of festivals um lots of like flower festivals where people go and buy whatever flowers they're going to have in their homes for during tet there were there was like a carnival with stages that were set up for live music but they didn't have live music while we were there street vendors everything you can think of there was a book street and not like the book street we talked about previously they they literally took over a street like one of the major streets over by the popular tourist market and turned it into a book street which was fun to walk through uh, it was fun seeing covers like cover art of books that i know what they are but then reading not not knowing what the front is saying so like we saw twilight and i know what the twilight book covers look like i haven't read twilight but i know what they look like But then it's just in Vietnamese, which I found very funny. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting that at a lot of these festivals, people go so hard with the photo ops. Like, they'll literally hire photographers to follow them around and pose with them. Or not pose with them, like, pose them. And But these, these women specifically... Well, women and families, I would say, are the ones I saw the most of the photographers, but they are hardcore. They're like, okay, do this pose in this place. Now move over here and do this pose in this place. And I just thought it was kind of funny, the intensity of the photo ops. I think I saw, and I don't know if I've, I told you this or not, but while we were at uh, the Taodan Park that with the carnival and uh, the food and the light music, it seemed like there were photographers there just waiting to be hired so they like they knew that there would be work there and so they were standing there waiting to for someone to like hire them out for 15 minutes to take pictures and then they'd move on to someone else that's what it seemed like there specifically but at other places we've been to it definitely felt like people brought them that's so funny yeah people really dressed up for these opportunities also um i don't know that i had ever consciously thought about what was like vietnamese formal wear But we definitely saw at least, I don't know what the men wear so much. I feel like I noticed more like what the women were wearing. But it's basically this mid-calf length dress 
with a slit on either side and pants underneath. And the the dress has like long sleeves and kind of a turtleneck style collar. And it's typically in red or yellow. I think I saw some in orange, but mostly red and yellow. And they were very ornate. And the women who were wearing them typically were like very dressed up. Like they had heels on and they had like hair and makeup to the knives. Like they were going all out. And I thought it was kind of cool to see the style of formal wear here. And we asked our host what they were called. And I believe he's Ao Dan. Yeah. Is what they're called. Long dress. Yeah. Is what it translates to. But it's it's very pretty. Um, and the guys wear something very similar. It's just, it's more of a shirt than a dress. Yeah. And apparently that style, that Aodan style of dress is what the women wear to their weddings. Okay. Uh, so speaking of Tet, we went to I, what I'm going to call Tet Eve, similar to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. We went out to a bar with some people. Do you want to share your experience with that? Yeah, I just thought it was a, a good time. We went to a rooftop bar with some other expats and digital nomads who were here in Ho Chi Minh City. And we were all celebrating what we called an orphan's tet because none of us really had family here to celebrate with. And so we all just kind of celebrated together. There was dancing and we had some drinks and it was just watching fireworks. And I thought it was really fun. I had a good time. What about you? I had a great time. Uh, had had a lot to drink. If you follow our Instagram, Olivia posted videos of me dancing, which she loved rewatching in the morning. But I had a great time. We met some nice people, people who that we have messaged afterward and gotten some advice for the rest of Vietnam, as well as uh, we met some people who were from Australia, um, not at Tet Eve, but other people that we've met throughout Vietnam who have kind of given us some advice for Australia the next month. And just along the lines of that, it's, it's been really nice meeting people. Yeah, there's this one particular song that I don't know the name of, but has been played everywhere. It's like, I would call it the New Year song. And I, I'm going to have to look it up and I'll put it in the show notes, but I'll link it. But I'm telling you, every restaurant, every bar, every grocery store, every single establishment I can possibly think of has been playing it. And it's... It's going to be permanently stuck in my head, I think. Yes, but we said that the, the noise that the market by us in Chiang Mai made was going to be stuck in our heads forever. And neither of us can remember that noise. So I think in about a month, we're not going to remember this song. So did you feel like the city shut down as much as you were expecting it to? I think it it it, it definitely shut down, but not to the extent that we have been told. There were still some some places open. There was a grocery store open, stuff like that. We, I think we definitely overprepared in terms of food, which is not a bad problem to have. But no, it definitely didn't shut down as much as I thought. What about you? Yeah, someone told us that we'd be able to lay down in the street and be fine and no cars would hit us. And I think that was a bit of an exaggeration. But it definitely was significantly quieter. It was much easier to cross the street. There were pretty much any like family style business was closed but there were a few restaurants here and there that were open and like you said there there was the convenience store that was open yeah what i thought was really interesting was that the medical clinics also closed and the hospitals closed so i'm not sure i guess maybe you go to the emergency room if you have a really bad something but hospitals closing down is kind of crazy will you talk about our experiences trying to eat dinner over the last week during tet oh my gosh so first of all 
because most of the restaurants are closed, the ones that are open are incredibly busy. And so a lot of times you have to make a reservation to get into the restaurant. And unfortunately, because we can't really make phone calls, our ability to make reservations is also kind of limited. And so there have been a number of times that we would walk to a restaurant that looked open and say, okay, like, hello, like two people. And they're like, no, we're full. Because apparently the concept of waiting for a table isn't really common here. So we'll go in, they'll say, no, we'll move on to another restaurant. They'll say, no, we'll move on to another restaurant and until, basically on and on and on until one of them had an opening. At some point I did start asking, like, can we wait? Because obviously everywhere was really busy, but it was a bit of a, a shock to me how busy and how it worked. Yeah, so for example, we went out for sushi one night and ended up eating Korean barbecue because that's where we got a table. Yeah, I was going to say something about the waiting times. It it was, it's definitely interesting, that culture of any time that you would possibly have to wait for food, wait for a table, anything like that, they, they made sure to tell you, and they always over-exaggerated how much time it was going to be. I think that at least the month that we've been here, I've picked up on, you don't really wait for food here. All of the, the, I don't want to call them street vendors, but just like the small restaurants that are off the street. It's just one room. The cart is the kitchen. There's the, the plastic tables. You order and your food is to you in two minutes. It's because it's always a, like a noodle soup. It's always something very quick that they can get out. And so the whole concept of waiting for food or waiting for a table or anything like that, I think it's very foreign to them, mm-hmm. which I find interesting because that's such a huge part of restaurant culture in America. Definitely. So once we had a couple of days at home and we were kind of celebrating Tet as much as we could, we went out for breakfast and came back to discover that our host family was having a Lunar New Year party. And initially, I was the first one that came back because I think you were going to go get chips or something. And I walk in and I'm telling you, the the living room was like full of people and they were all wearing that style of dress we were talking about earlier. And I was like, oh man, like looks looks fun. But they hadn't really said anything to us about inviting us, so I wasn't gonna invite myself. And I walked into the kitchen to go make myself lunch and the daughter, of the host family here came and said, oh, my, my dad would like to invite you to join our celebration. And I was like, okay, cool. I'd love to, like, thank you so much. So I turn around to go back into the living room and the host daughter goes in, like she turns towards where we've been keeping our food that we've been cooking. And she reaches in and she grabs the box of cornflakes and turns to me and says, do you have milk? And I am, flabbergasted i'm like what is happening right now like what's going on with the cornflakes because let me just tell you on the table where the family was it's just a copious amount of food like ridiculous like plates and plates and plates i'm like what are the cornflakes for like am i giving them to them because that's fine like but why would they want my cornflakes when they have that amount of like much better looking food and so the girl the girl's like well do you have milk and i'm like yes but she can tell that i'm confused and she's like you have like do you not have much milk my mom can buy you some more and i'm like that's not why i'm confused (laughs) and so i'm i'm like looking at her and i'm like what's the cornflake for and she's like for you to eat and i'm like 
like, you want me to give it to them? Or you want me to eat it? And she's like, no, it's for you. And it was just the most confusing back and forth conversation. Eventually it came out that she thought she was giving me the cornflakes to eat. I guess maybe because she didn't think I'd want to eat what they were eating. But all in all, it was a hilarious conversation. And so I went and sat down at the table eventually and uh, the cornflakes were forgotten. Yeah, so something we've talked about in the past on the podcast is that the Vietnamese people do not have a separation of food for breakfast and for lunch and dinner. In America, we eat cereal, we eat, you know, breakfast, sausage, eggs, toast, whatever you eat in the morning. Well, she thought that that's what we were eating all of the time because they, I really do think they only see us eat breakfast sometimes. So they thought that that's what you ate. Yeah, it was just really funny. So anyway, I go to sit in the table and then Colin turns the corner and you have to tell me what was going through your head when you walked in and saw me sitting at the table. First, it started with the host dad outside in the alley, which I've never seen him outside in the alley. He's always on that bench in the living room. And I call it a bench because it it's not a couch. It's a wooden chair, long chair bench. Um because they don't have anything soft or comfortable in this house. No, they do not. But so he's out in the alley, gives me a huge wave. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so uh, I talk to him for a second. He, he ushers me inside. I look up and Olivia, Olivia's head pops up from the coffee table, turns to me and just smiles. <laughs> I was so confused on what was happening. I kind of just rolled with it. Um, just, they, they threw me on a stool right next to Olivia and we just ate a lot of Vietnamese food that we didn't really know what it was. I, I still couldn't tell you what it was. There was something that was chicken. There was something that was like a, like a ham, but it was also spicy and sweet. There was rice. There was like a pork soup. I don't really know what all of it was. I mean, we, we tried everything. It was just funny. And the, one of the things that I remember most vividly, for anyone listening, I hate beer. But the second that I came in and I like sat down at the table, they immediately like poured me a beer. And of course, I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want it. So I like held the beer and then Colin joins and he gets a beer. But these people wanted to cheers every 90 seconds to two minutes. There was no pattern to it. It was just all the time. It was like we'd be eating and then all of a sudden someone would be like, ah. Like cheersing with us, and we're like, oh, okay, here we go. But it was just like over and over and over, and it was just kind of funny because everyone was really into it. So, do you want to describe what it was like watching the lucky money being given out? Oh yeah, that was such a cool thing. So she says, "Lucky money." It's the red envelopes that you may have seen um, throughout your life, hanging on trees or anything when it comes to lunar year, New Year. Um, they're traditionally red envelopes, but this family had lots of colors. And we asked, and the colors don't mean anything. It was just what they had, I think. But from what I understand, uh, the the kids would go up. Kids being a loose term, it was if you're not married yet, you're a kid in the eyes of the family. So um, the oldest son is about my age, 28, 29, I think is what he was. He was the last to go, but he went. And so each child of the family goes up and basically says like happy new year 
Um, thank you for all of this, like for providing me food and like stuff for the year. I hope you have a lucky year, good fortune, all that kind of stuff. Basically blessing the parents next year to come. And then they get um, various amounts of money from different family, like their parents, their uncles, aunts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was super cool to watch. Honestly, that whole gathering was one of my favorite things that we've experienced here in yeah. Vietnam. It was it was definitely a unique experience, I think, that we've had. So after the family gathering and the cornflake incident, we want to talk about our adventure on the way to the pizza place for our date. Yeah, so it is a couple nights later, and we are... Olivia has decided she wants to take me on a date. Even though we have pooled money, she's taking me on a date, and she's paying for it. So we, she picks a place, makes a reservation, we get all dressed up. Um, I mean, as dressed up as we can. I think I'm wearing jeans and a polo shirt, which is our fancy clothes. And we start walking, and we we walk for about five minutes, and it's a 25-minute walk. We, we get about a fifth of the way there, and all of a sudden... Olivia's behind me she gets my attention and her foot is just up in the air kind of crooked and she she's like oh no I thought Olivia stuck her like had broken her ankle and was just being super calm about it and just holding her foot up because it looked crooked it turns out Olivia stepped on a piece of metal that went through her shoe and into her foot First of all, ow. Second of all, we ha- we have had our tetanus shots. We are. <laughs> we cleaned the wound. Everything was okay. But I, she's holding her foot up with her shoe still on, and I just see these metal objects sticking out of her shoe. Um, so I pluck out the metal object. We take her shoe sock off. I see where it entered her foot. Crazy. It went through your shoe. Yeah. Then this little old woman like comes running over because she saw the whole thing, like the foot in the air, the sitting down, the taking off the shoe. And she starts like grabbing at my foot and like squeezing where the the metal entered it. She's like trying to get it to bleed. She's talking to us in Vietnamese. We're like, sorry, we don't understand. And it was just quite an experience because I genuinely thought it was a thorn. Like, I think that's what I said was, oh, no, can you get the thorn out of my foot? And you were the actually the one to tell me that it was not indeed a thorn. Uh, yeah, so I believe she was making sure that all of the metal that went into your foot got out of your foot. Yeah. So she was worried about any leftover particles in your foot, which would have been bad. Yeah. Then we kept walking to the restaurant, and we were hoping to find a pharmacy on the way so I could put some, like, disinfectant on my foot. But we couldn't find one. And so I ended up going to the bathroom in the restaurant to try to wash my foot with like soap and water. And that also was just an experience because it was one of those bathrooms where like the stalls are separate, but the sinks are in the common area. And so I have my like foot hauled up in the sink. And then this lady comes out of the stall and she turns out to be American and I was like explaining what had happened and she's like oh no and then as I'm like still literally have my foot up super high then another lady comes out of a different stall and this lady was Vietnamese and I was like she's just gonna think I am a weirdo who's like washing one foot in the sink and so she looks at me and then the other and I like finish washing my foot and I like get out of the way and the other lady's still at the sink and she just like pointedly does not go to the one where i just had my foot in the sink which i thought was super funny yeah um, um 
to kind of backtrack, but on the way, walking on the way to the restaurant, Olivia was holding her elbow and, and limping on the wrong foot. She was making a whole show of I it. I was not. Ignore him. But all is well. We ended up getting some iodine at the pharmacy, and I've since cleaned it, and it's totally fine. I've been walking on it. So the pizza that we ate, what pizza did you get? I had a margarita pizza. We also ordered salads, and I was expecting a little teeny tiny side salad, and it came in like We ordered a bowl. the small salad. Yeah, and it came in a bowl that was the size of the Cheesecake Factory salads, except for that there was nothing except lettuce in the bowl. It was the most bizarre salad I've ever had. <laughs> I kept calling it my bowl of lettuce. I had a spicy seafood pizza. It was squid. It was, I believe there was some shrimp. Um, there were either like a clam or oyster, like de-shelled and just thrown on there. Um, but it was very good. I put some chili oil on it too. Very unique pizza that I would have never had if I just lived in the United States. But it was good. The whole place was like a very trendy feel too. Lots of exposed brick and candles and whatnot. So then I think the last event we have before we go into what we wish we knew was the resort. I'm trying to remember exactly how that came about. Was that the day we were wandering around because I really wanted to go swimming? I've had this itch to find a pool to go swimming for like several weeks now and it's been really hard to find a place that would let us go swimming so we initially went to this place called the Victory Hotel because we'd read online that you can like buy a day pass for their pool for really cheap for really cheap but when we went there they said that the pool was closed and so then I randomly was like okay well let me look for like one more hotel I'll see if we can go there we found this place that wasn't too far we walk over and the second we walk in, we're like, oh, this is a fancy hotel. And we went up to the reception desk and asked, and they said, yeah, of course you can use our pool. It's only going to be like $250,000 a person, which is kind of steep. It's about $10 a person, which in the grand scheme of things, not that much. But in Vietnamese, it, it is, that's quite expensive. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. Something in my brain clicked when we went in that hotel, and I was like, I love this place. It's so, so beautiful. And I think I might have kind of browbeat you into staying there. So instead of paying about 500000 to go to the pool there um, for a day, we end up paying probably around $4 million, uh, Vietnamese Dong, to stay there for a, for a night. So we, we um, book a couple days in advance. Uh, and we go and we so we check into the the hotel we get a welcome drink which was nice it was like a watermelon drink i don't think there was any alcohol in it but it was like watermelon juice which is very good and then they we get ushered up to our room literally guided this guy was walking so fast it was it was like the the jokes you see about uh, department stores and you ask someone where something is in the department store and then they like run off and you have to like f run after them to follow them he was walking at that speed so we we follow this guy to the elevator we ride up i think he would have left us if, um if we didn't get on the elevator with him and we go into the room tell me about the room it was very large 
for our hotel room. We had the obviously giant soft bed, which I was incredibly excited for after this box spring that we've been sleeping on for the past three weeks. So we have the bed, there's like the normal desk and TV and stuff. And then the bathroom, there was a clawfoot tub, a full gigantic rain shower, and like a fancy closet that had bathrobes and slippers for us. All of which was super nice and luxurious. Yeah, and we had a pretty, it wasn't a great view, but it wasn't a bad view either. It was, it was a good view from the window. Um, it was looking away from the downtown area, um, so we probably didn't get the premium view, but it's still nice. We were up on the eighth floor, so just to look out into the city was nice. Yeah, and we did end up going to the pool, which was also very nice. Lots of loungers and umbrellas. There was even a bar, although we did not buy anything because I'm sure it was out of our budget. So that night, so we we, we get to the hotel, we you know do our little Instagram rope pictures we go to the pool we shower and we go to a they called it bamboo circus i think they called it the ao show but I don't yeah it was know. the ao show but i think they called it a bamboo circus it was these i guess gymnasts and dancers uh climbing up bamboo shoots dancing with them there were a lot of jokes thrown within but i think the theme of the story was kind of like the the growing up of Vietnam, like I guess Vietnam through the ages. So it was very, very cool watching that. There were some funny bits, um, but really just the, the skill of the gymnasts, the, I guess, acrobats, the dancers, they were very fun to watch. It kind of reminded me of Cirque du Soleil in Vegas a little bit. I mean, obviously a bunch less of a spectacle, but just the types of skills they were doing and the jokes they were telling just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. So after dinner, we had made a reservation at the hotel's restaurant, which is like an international buffet. And so we hurry back from the show and we run up to the restaurant only to discover, because of course, like everything comes in Vietnam, we have some bad luck. It's closed. So once we got there, we were like, okay, we got to find somewhere else to eat. So we didn't want to walk too far. And like I said before, it's kind of hard to get into restaurants these days because everywhere is still slowly reopening. So there was a Thai restaurant that was not too far from the hotel. So we walk over there and they did the same thing that all the other ones that said, oh, we're full. And we said, okay, we'll wait. And they told us 30 minutes and I think it was maybe 10. So we walk in and the, the bottom floor was like full of people, like just absolutely chock full of families eating what looked pretty good food. But we got put on the top level, which kind of looked like you think it's a karaoke bar. I just think it was like a dance bar based on the decor styles and the menu that they brought out, which was on like a thick piece of wood with printing on both sides, most of which were shots. Anyway, we we struggled to kind of translate the menu, but eventually just decided we were going to do pad thai because that was the only thing we could even figure out what it was. So we order that and then they bring the food. And how did you feel about the food, Colin? It was probably the worst pad thai I've ever had, and that's including America. It was so bad. Like, it almost tasted like tomato sauce was on there, and it was spicy, but not in, like, a good way. It was. It felt like it was spicy just to be spicy, not like it was adding any flavor. We were really unhappy, and it was kind of expensive for what it was. So, at that point, we just kind of decided 
we were going to go back to the hotel and suck it up and get some room service. So we order room service. We get um, a thing of mac and cheese, a little side of mac and cheese, a chicken sandwich, and some barbecue pork ribs. And we watch the Batman, the the new Robert Pattinson Batman. Um, and Olivia fell asleep about halfway through it. No, I made it three quarters of the way at least. So it's our last day. And I we put together some things that we wish we knew before we came. Some of the things we wish we knew before coming here is that there are a lot of stairs. At least in Ho Chi Minh City and Bung Tao and Hoi An. And... There's not a lot of elevators, so if you're someone who struggles with mobility issues or would really have a hard time with a lot of very narrow, small stairs, that's just something to keep in mind because the place that we're staying now, the new Airbnb, we're on the fifth floor, and obviously there's no elevator, and so it's just, it's kind of a lot if you're someone who struggles with stairs. I'll also say that you have to be really vigilant with bug spray. I slacked off on the bug spray grind for maybe a couple days, and I ended up with dozens of bug bites. And I don't know if you're having the same amount of bug bite issues as me, but I will just say if you're someone who regularly gets bitten, you have to be super vigilant about it. I'll also say that Tet really shuts down the city. We were very grateful that we had some groceries because like I said, the restaurants that were open during Tet were incredibly busy. And so you need to make sure that you go to the store before Tet Eve so that you have food for those days that the grocery stores are closed. I will also say that I didn't know that there was such a wide variety of noodle soup dishes. I really only knew about pho, but there are so many. We've had, obviously we have had pho, but we've also had one called Hugh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but it's T-I-E-U. We've also had, what's it, Bon Bo Hui? And I know we've had other ones too, but just there's a ton of different ones. And so they're all pretty good. I would definitely recommend trying them. This one we already talked about, but there isn't really a difference of what you eat for breakfast versus lunch and dinner. You can eat the same things for any of them. There's also a lot of honking from different motorbikes and cars as they drive by, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're mad or they're like trying to like tell people that they're in the wrong. It really just is more of a heads up or an alert. Like if a motorbike wants to go around a car or they want to turn in front of a car or they're just like doing something, they'll honk just to sort of like be like, hello, hello, I'm here. Also, there are a lot of scams that you need to be vigilant of which I'm kind of sad to say, but I'm thinking just between like the coconut man and the shoe shiners and the people who will literally walk with you to try to sell you on their business and the grab drivers who want you to take their rides. There's just a lot of people who are out to make a buck. And so you just need to be kind of vigilant and aware that you're, if you're a tourist, they know that and they may be like seeking you out. And then last, just be aware that even if you come in the not rainy season, it probably will still thunderstorm. And so just make sure you bring a rain jacket or an umbrella. Well, in closing, how would you rate your overall experience in Vietnam? Because I think we did something similar in Chiang Mai. Out of 10? Just would you recommend it? Out of 10, any kind of closing thoughts? I would definitely recommend Ho Chi Minh City for a couple days. Uh, I think that the 30 days we were here, it was a little long. 
for one city, uh, I guess this city, we had a lot of bad luck in Vietnam. And that's not, a lot of it is not Vietnam's fault, but it did happen in Vietnam. And so my how my experience in Vietnam wasn't as good as maybe someone else's might be. I think we had more fun in Thailand to compare the two. But I think that there were a lot of good things that happened in Vietnam. There were just some bad things that kind of overshadowed a lot. Our trip to Hoi An was amazing. Um, our experience in the hotel was amazing. We had a great time doing the walking tour, getting around the city, exploring the city. Um, so if if you want to do Ho Chi Minh City, take a couple days, explore the city, go to a couple restaurants. But there's so much in Vietnam to see that we didn't get to see. Um, and I suggest you you kind of spend a couple days in each city. Yeah, I kind of think that in Vietnam, it might be a good place to do more of a nomadic movement. Like, if you wanted to do a month in Vietnam, I think it would make more sense to move slowly throughout the country rather than pick one city and just stay there for a month. Like I, like you said, I, I really do feel like you could see most of the main touristy stuff in Ho Chi Minh in a couple days. And then you could go ahead and either like move north or you could go south. You could go to the islands. There's a ton of places. But I, I just personally don't really feel like you need a full month here in Ho Chi Minh. But I do feel like there would be enough stuff in the country for a month if you really wanted to do something similar. So overall, I think I would say I recommend it. But like I said, just take our lessons and incorporate those into your planning if you want to do something similar to what we did. So in tomorrow, actually, we will be in Singapore. And then two days after that, we'll be in our third country of Australia for a month. What do you imagine Australia is going to be like? I really do think the the place that we're at is in a very nice neighborhood. I think it's going to be a lot more suburban than what we've been used to the past two months. Some good in that, some bad in that. There's not going to be a lot of variety in restaurants very close to us. If we're gonna, if we want to, you know, go out to eat, we might have to go a little further than what we're used to. That might be a, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I'm excited for the beach. You are going to buy some surfing lessons. Um, I'm still looking at scuba costs. It's going to be a little expensive, but it'll be worth it. And really just, I'm, I'm looking to enjoy the Australian summer at a beach. I think it's going to be a lot more slow-paced than what we have here. I think it's going to be a lot quieter. I also think it's going to be more not polished but like i don't think there's going to be a sudden motorbike on the sidewalk that's swerving around other people on the sidewalk and some rats in the mix i'm excited i think australia and i think singapore for the couple days we're there as well will be really cool so i think that's just gonna be it for this episode thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for our next round of stories from when we've been in singapore and a little bit in australia thanks for listening